John Chrysostom, in his interpretation of Galatians 6, 11, 12, delves deeply into the emotional and psychological state of Paul, as reflected in his epistle to the Galatians. Chrysostom draws a parallel between Paul's emotional intensity and that of a person overwhelmed by profound grief. This comparison is crucial to understand the gravity with which Paul approached the issues plaguing the Galatian church. According to Chrysostom, Paul's distress is akin to that experienced by someone who has suffered a great personal loss, indicating the depth of his concern for the spiritual welfare of the Galatians. Chrysostom emphasizes the unique nature of this particular epistle, noting that unlike his other letters, where Paul employed a scribe to write down his words, here he has taken the pen into his own hands. This deviation from his usual practice is not a trivial matter. For Chrysostom, it signifies a profound level of commitment and sincerity on Paul's part. The act of personally writing the letter is a testament to the urgency and importance Paul attached to the message he wanted to convey to the Galatians. The mention of large letters by Paul is interpreted by Chrysostom, not in terms of their physical size, but rather their clumsy appearance, suggesting Paul's lack of expertise in writing. This observation is pivotal in understanding the lengths to which Paul was willing to go to communicate his message. His decision to write despite his lack of skill accentuates the earnestness and desperation in his attempt to address the concerns and correct the misconceptions prevalent among the Galatians. Also, Chrysostom identifies a strategic aspect in Paul's choice to write the letter himself. It served as a proactive measure against the accusations and suspicions leveled against him, particularly regarding his stance on circumcision. By personally penning the letter, Paul was laying down a written testimony of his teachings and beliefs, an unalterable record against the claims of his detractors. In essence, Chrysostom's interpretation of these verses in Galatians brings to light the emotional depth, personal commitment, and strategic foresight in Paul's approach to addressing the issues within the Galatian church. It affirms the apostle's dedication to guiding his followers and defending the integrity of his teachings against misinterpretation and false accusations. Moreover, Chrysostom dives into the motivations and implications behind the actions of certain Judaizers who were influencing the Galatians. These individuals were compelling the Galatians to adhere to Jewish customs, particularly circumcision, not out of a genuine respect for divine law, but rather for personal gain and societal approval. Chrysostom's interpretation of the phrase, to make a fair show in the flesh, is crucial here. He understands it as seeking human esteem and approval, a pursuit that he sees as fundamentally at odds with true Christian devotion. Chrysostom explains that these teachers were primarily concerned with their image among the Jews. By enforcing circumcision among Gentile Christians, they sought to avoid persecution and criticism for abandoning Jewish traditions. This act of circumcision, therefore, was not a reflection of their obedience to God, but rather a means to an end, to avoid conflict and maintain their status. Furthermore, Chrysostom criticizes these individuals for their hypocrisy. He asserts that while they are keen to enforce the law on others, they themselves do not adhere to it. This inconsistency reveals their true intentions. They are more interested in boasting about their influence and creating a facade of authority and discipleship than in living out the principles they preach. 
Chrysostom's commentary serves as a cautionary tale about the dangers of prioritizing societal approval over spiritual truth. He highlights the conflict that can arise between the desire for human acceptance and the demands of faith. His critique of the Judaizers is a call to the Galatians to be wary of false teachers and to understand the distinction between genuine religious piety and the pursuit of human accolades. This passage indicates the importance of sincerity and faith and the perils of allowing external pressures to dictate religious practices. Chrysostom's insights offer a timeless reminder of the need for integrity and authenticity in religious life. In addition, Chrysostom offers a profound insight into the Christian perception of glory, contrasting it sharply with worldly views. He focuses on the cross of Christ, typically viewed as a symbol of humiliation and defeat, and reinterprets it as the ultimate emblem of glory in the Christian faith. Chrysostom begins by acknowledging the worldly disdain for the cross, recognizing its perception as despicable among men. However, he swiftly contrasts this with the high regard the cross holds in heaven and among the faithful. This dichotomy between earthly and heavenly perceptions is a recurring theme in his teachings, maintaining that what is valued on earth is often at odds with spiritual values. The commentary then digs into the paradox of Christian glory. Chrysostom points out how poverty, low public esteem, and the cross, all seemingly negative, are sources of pride for Christians. He uses the cross as the prime example, elaborating on its significance. The cross symbolizes Christ's ultimate act of love and sacrifice, God himself taking the form of a slave and enduring suffering for humanity's sake. This act, Chrysostom argues, is incomparable in its demonstration of love and should be the central point of Christian boasting. Chrysostom's emphasis is on the humility and selflessness of Christ's sacrifice. He marvels at the depth of Christ's love, who willingly accepted a curse for the benefit of others. This perspective turns the cross from a symbol of shame into one of divine love and sacrifice. Concluding his commentary, Chrysostom encourages Christians to embrace the cross and its significance without shame. He likens it to a prisoner who, having been freed by a king, should not feel ashamed of the king's actions. To Chrysostom, being ashamed of the cross would be irrational, as it represents the epitome of Christ's love and care. Thus, the cross, in his view, should be a source of immense pride and a testament to the transformative power of Christ's sacrifice and love. Through this interpretation, Chrysostom not only redefines the concept of glory from a Christian perspective, but also calls for a deeper understanding and appreciation of the sacrificial love embodied in the cross. Further, Chrysostom examines the Apostle Paul's declaration, The world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. He interprets this not in a physical sense, but as a profound spiritual and moral stance. Chrysostom clarifies that the world here refers not to the physical elements of earth and heaven, but to the transient and often alluring aspects of earthly life, such as fame, wealth, power, and other such pursuits that are typically held in high regard and seen as symbols of success and splendor in worldly terms. This interpretation by Chrysostom is pivotal in understanding Christian spirituality as he saw it. He reiterates that for a Christian, these worldly matters should be regarded as dead, devoid of their typical allure and influence. This perspective is not just about negating the world's power over the self, but also about the self's detachment from the world. 
This double renunciation, where both the world is dead to the Christian and the Christian is dead to the world, creates a mutual disinterest. This is crucial for Chrysostom's interpretation of a Christian life, as it signifies a complete and unyielding break from worldly values and temptations. Chrysostom sees this state as highly blessed, as it is foundational for leading a life that is truly spiritual and aligned with Christian values. The renunciation of worldly pleasures and concerns ensures that a believer is neither captivated by the world's allure nor seeks out its pleasures and accolades. It's a call to a form of asceticism, where spiritual pursuits and values are placed far above worldly ones. In this light, Chrysostom's interpretation of Paul's words is a profound statement on Christian ethics and spirituality. It repeats the idea that a truly spiritual life is marked by a disinterest and detachment from the ephemeral and often distracting concerns of worldly life, focusing instead on spiritual growth and the pursuit of virtues aligned with Christian teachings. This perspective aligns with Chrysostom's broader teachings, which often underline moral purity, asceticism, and the prioritization of spiritual over worldly matters. Besides, Chrysostom explores the profound transformation brought about by the cross in the Christian faith. He contrasts the old Jewish customs, particularly circumcision, with the new spiritual reality inaugurated through Christ's crucifixion. Chrysostom interprets the term a new creature mentioned by Paul in this passage as a reference to the transformative experience of Christian baptism and the future renewal of all creation at the end of times. For Chrysostom, the cross is not just a symbol of Christ's sacrifice. It represents a paradigm shift in religious life. It marks the transition from the old covenant, focused on physical rituals like circumcision, to a new covenant centered on spiritual renewal and grace. This shift is reflected in the individual believer's experience. Through baptism, one's soul, previously burdened by sin and decay, is renewed as if recreated. This personal transformation is a microcosm of the universal transformation that awaits all creation. Chrysostom's focus on the term a new creature extends beyond personal spiritual renewal. He sees it as indicative of the cosmic renewal that will accompany the eschaton. The end times when heaven and earth, along with all creation, will be transformed into a state of incorruption. This eschatological vision underscores the temporary and fading nature of physical rituals like circumcision, which lose their significance in the face of such profound cosmic change. Additionally, Chrysostom expands on the concept of the Israel of God. He suggests that this title transcends physical descent from Israel or adherence to Mosaic law. Instead, it is more aptly applied to those who embrace the new life offered through Christ, a life marked by grace rather than adherence to the old law. True affiliation with Israel, in Chrysostom's view, is defined by this spiritual transformation and commitment to the new, grace-filled way of life inaugurated by the cross. In summary, Chrysostom's interpretation of Galatians 6.15. 16 emphasizes the cross's role in shifting the focus of religious life from adherence to the old Jewish law to embracing a new, grace-based identity in Christ. This transformation is both personal, affecting the believer's soul, and cosmic, pointing to the eventual renewal of all creation. The true Israel of God comprises those who align themselves with this new, grace-centered reality. Also, 
Chrysostom's analysis reveals the depth and complexity of Paul's statement, offering insights into its purpose and the Apostle's mindset. Chrysostom begins by dismissing the notion that Paul's words stem from fatigue or a sense of defeat. He accentuates that Paul, known for his unwavering dedication to his mission and his disciples, is unlikely to express weariness or surrender. This interpretation is supported by Paul's own words in his letters to Timothy, where he consistently urges perseverance and dedication to the gospel, regardless of the challenges faced. For instance, Paul's exhortation to be instant in season, out of season, 2 Timber 4.2, showcases his belief in the relentless pursuit of evangelism and teaching. In this context, Chrysostom contends that Paul's declaration in Galatians is a rhetorical strategy rather than a literal request for relief from troubles. The statement is seen as a means to invigorate and motivate the Galatian Christians. Chrysostom suggests that Paul aims to stir the Galatians from spiritual complacency and to instill a sense of urgency and seriousness regarding their faith journey. By declaring, let no man trouble me, Paul reinforces the authority of his teachings and the importance of adhering to the Christian doctrine he has laid down. Moreover, Chrysostom views this statement as a method to address and correct the Galatians' habitual indecisiveness and fluctuating commitment to their faith. Paul's firm stance serves as a call to steadfastness and constancy in their spiritual lives. This approach reflects Paul's broader pastoral strategy, which often melds direct admonition with deep care for the spiritual growth of his communities. Chrysostom's interpretation, thus, paints a picture of Paul as a committed and strategic leader, using strong words not as a sign of retreat, but as a tool for spiritual encouragement and discipline. Furthermore, Chrysostom probes into the Apostle Paul's declaration of bearing on his body the marks of Jesus. Chrysostom interprets this as a metaphor, comparing Paul to a battle-hardened soldier who proudly displays his wounds. These wounds, or marks, are not mere physical scars, but are emblematic of Paul's sacrifices and sufferings for his faith in Christ. Chrysostom affirms that these marks are a more potent testament to Paul's commitment and sincerity than any verbal argument or written message could be. Chrysostom asserts the paradox in Paul's statement. The scars, typically seen as a sign of pain and defeat, are instead a source of pride for Paul. They are akin to trophies or royal ensigns, showcasing his unwavering dedication to his mission. This perspective challenges the conventional view of suffering and pain, highlighting how, in the Christian context, such experiences can be transformed into symbols of honor and testimony of faith. In addition, Chrysostom suggests that these marks serve as a loud, unspoken defense against accusations of hypocrisy or deceit levied against Paul. The physicality of his scars provides tangible evidence of his commitment, much like a soldier's wounds indisputably demonstrate bravery and loyalty. This analogy is particularly powerful in conveying the authenticity of Paul's ministry and the depth of his convictions. Further, Chrysostom touches upon the theme of enduring faith. He notes that Paul's initial conversion, a pivotal moment in his life, was just the beginning. The subsequent trials and tribulations, as evidenced by his scars, are proof of his steadfastness in the path he chose. Concluding his epistle, Paul offers a prayer rich in blessings which Chrysostom views as a reaffirmation of his love and concern for the Christian community. This prayer, coupled with the evidence of his sufferings, encapsulates Paul's genuine intent, 
and the unwavering nature of his apostolic mission. Chrysostom's analysis thus not only sheds light on Paul's words, but also offers a profound reflection on the Christian understanding of suffering and dedication. Last but not least, Chrysostom delves into the profound significance of Paul's words, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Chrysostom views this benediction not just as a customary conclusion, but as a powerful seal on the entire epistle, encapsulating its core message and intention. Besides, for Chrysostom, the specific phrase, with your spirit, is pivotal. It marks a deliberate shift from the physical and external observances of the Mosaic law to the internal and spiritual realm of Christian life under grace. This phrase, in Chrysostom's view, serves as a stark contrast to the Judaizing tendencies that the Galatians were facing, which indicated adherence to the law, particularly practices like circumcision. He interprets Paul's words as a reminder to the Galatians of the superior blessings they have received through faith in Christ, blessings that are not rooted in the poverty of the law, but in the richness of grace and the Spirit. Additionally, Chrysostom's analysis recognizes a dual function in Paul's closing words. On one hand, they serve as a teaching, a doctrinal reinforcement reminding the Galatians of the benefits of their Christian faith and the spirit they have received. This aspect of teaching acts as a protective wall, anchoring them in the true Christian doctrine. On the other hand, Paul's words are also a prayer, a supplication for the ongoing presence and aid of God's grace in the Galatians' lives. This prayerful dimension requests divine assistance for the believers to remain steadfast in their faith, thereby preventing the Spirit from departing from them. In summary, Chrysostom sees Paul's closing benediction as a strategic and multifaceted tool. It is both instructional and intercessory, ensuring the Galatians' adherence to Christian doctrine, while simultaneously invoking God's grace for their spiritual perseverance. The presence of the Spirit, according to Chrysostom, is crucial. It acts as a deterrent against the adoption of erroneous doctrines, allowing such errors to be discarded as easily as dust. This interpretation maintains the vital importance of both doctrinal clarity and spiritual sustenance in preserving the faith and unity of the Christian community. In conclusion, Chrysostom's interpretation of Paul's epistle to the Galatians offers a profound insight into the emotional and spiritual intensity of the Apostle's message. Chrysostom emphasizes the deep personal concern Paul felt for the Galatian church, akin to a person engulfed in grief, which is evident from the unusual act of Paul personally writing the letter, demonstrated by his reference to writing with large letters. Chrysostom suggests that this detail accentuates Paul's lack of writing skill, further affirming his earnest and heartfelt communication. Also, Paul's message in this letter is urgent and crucial, addressing the dangerous influence of Judaizers within the Galatian church. These individuals were compelling Gentile Christians to adhere to Jewish customs, such as circumcision, not from a place of spiritual obedience, but rather for self-serving reasons. Chrysostom asserts the hypocrisy of these teachers, who prioritize human approval over divine truth, and the implications of such behavior for the Galatian believers. Moreover, Chrysostom refocuses the Christian perception of glory. By focusing on the cross of Christ, which the world views as shameful, Chrysostom redefines it as the ultimate mark of divine love and sacrifice. 
Suffering and humiliation in the Christian context are reshaped into emblems of honor and testimonies of faith. Furthermore, Paul's declaration that the world has been crucified to me and I to the world reflects an essential renunciation of transitory earthly pleasures for the Christian, according to Chrysostom. It is a spiritual and moral stance that highlights detachment from worldly pursuits and a commitment to the spiritual growth and values of the Christian faith. In addition, Paul's mention of bearing the marks of Jesus is interpreted by Chrysostom not as literal scars, but as symbolic of the hardships and persecution Paul faced for the sake of his faith, embodying his unwavering fidelity and the transformative journey in Christ. Lastly, Chrysostom deliberates on Paul's parting benediction that imparts both a doctrinal lesson and an invocation of divine grace to support the Galatians spiritually. The Apostle's choice of words, with your spirit, is seen as intentionally highlighting the shift from the physical adherence to the law to an internal grace-based Christian life. Overall, Chrysostom's exegesis serves to elucidate the depth of Paul's message in Galatians, stressing the sincerity of faith, the honorable nature of Christian suffering, and the significance of spiritual transformation in the believer's life.